Good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing well. It's Steph. It is 8.30 on Friday, the 3rd of February 2006, and I am going to hopefully top off some um, conversations that we've been having about education, and I've also, I'm trying to do a slightly quieter mic. I was listening to Education Part 2 last night as I drifted off to Slumberland and uh, noticed that uh, it was uh, peaking a little bit in the in the vocals. So I'm going to try cranking it down a little. Um, I have had a request or two to up the quality from 32 bits to something higher, maybe 48 or 64, if you feel that. I don't find it to be too much of a problem. I also don't find there to be too much background noise, other than that generated by me, in general, burps and belches and uh, sips of coffee. But if you do find that the quality is uh, too poor, then uh, just uh, let me know, and I'll be happy to uh, save it in a higher format. I save them sort of for my own uh, pleasure at 320, but just upload them at um, at uh, 32k. But uh, just let me know if it's not uh, a quality uh, that's a quality that's good enough for you, and I will do my best to uh, figure out how to make it sound better. But uh, this, I think, I think 32 is not too bad. That's what I listen to my audiobooks at. I think if I can get the mixer settings right, um, and I'm trying to find different ways of positioning the microphone so it doesn't, you don't get that that comes when I um, take a sharp breath. So hopefully we'll be able to figure that uh, that out and make it work. So I'd like to chat this morning, uh, just to sort of top off um, uh, public school, at least the primary school side of things, uh, and mention, um, you know, uh, my sort of two bits worth on the um, the vouchers debate. And it's sort of important to understand what vouchers are and what vouchers aren't, right? Vouchers, uh, the way that uh, the school vouchers, the way that they're contemplated, um, will sort of work along the following lines. They, you will get a voucher which will allow you to take uh, government money and apply it to the public or private school of your choice. And through that, you know, there's this hope that a kind of competition, a kind of market competition will enter into the fray and it will cause uh, unions uh, to perhaps lessen some of their power or at the very least education to get better. And that really is this uh, idea behind uh, public school, um, public school vouchers. Now, of course, one of the problems that that uh, uh, is faced is that many sort of the, of the younger people don't really understand just how bad public education is relative to what it was, say, 40, uh, 40 years ago. One of the big things that happened in 1963 was that teachers got the right to unionize. You know, but before, uh, unions were considered to be a purely public sector uh, sorry, private sector phenomenon, uh, that there was no need for a union in the public sector because um, a private sector uh, employer was driven by profit, of course, and because he or, he or she was driven by profit, there was uh, always the problem of wanting to underpay workers. But in the public sector, nobody is driven by profit, and therefore uh, it didn't make any sense for most sort of people to... to uh, uh, to consider the idea that there would be such a thing as as a union in, in the public sector, but of course, as union as unions um, began to become redundant, as I talked about in unions part one and two, as they become as they began to become redundant in the private sector, they began to turn their tender concerns towards the public sector and started fighting for the right there. One of the uh, and, and the, the Marxists, uh, a lot of the Marxists, really dis- despised the idea of. Um, 
of the uh, unions, and a lot of leftists and so on despise the idea of unions in the public sector, because this is back when they were not interested in supporting the power of the mixed economy state, but actually had some concern for the workers, you know, that they were sort of supposed to have some concern for. And so one of the reasons they disliked uh, unionism in the public sector was because they said, look, I mean, a, a union uh, who gets an increase in, uh, like a, a, in the private sector, if you get an increase in wages, all that happens uh, is that it gets taken out of the excess profits of the capitalist. So that's good, right? As a sort of lefty Marxist, that's, that's good in your frame of thinking. But if you get a raise in the public sector, all that happens is that taxes get raised on everybody else. So, you know, instead of it coming out of the big pile of gold that all capitalists are fantasized about sitting on, it instead comes out of the taxes of other workers, and that's not good. That's def- <laughs> double plus ungood. And so uh, they really dislike the idea of um, uh, unions in the public sector because uh, of the reasons mentioned. So what happened was they you know, fought long and hard against unionization in the public sector, and then it began... Uh, in, the, in 1963, uh, they got to the right to unionize in the public sector and in, in education in particular. And, you know, 1964, like, like clockwork, exactly as you would expect and anticipate, in 1964, the long, slow, grim decline in the SAT scores begins. You know, which is <laughs> it's not shocking to anyone with uh, with any any understanding of human nature. I mean, not even a sophisticated understanding of human nature. You know, if you can't get fired, how good are you at your job? I mean, it's it's sort of a basic question that, you know, most sane human beings don't have any um, any problem answering. You know, if, if you can't get fired, how good do you need to be at your job? If you have this incredible grievance process that goes on, which requires, you know, two years of paperwork to get you fired and a union that's going to fight every step of the way, well, of course you're going to give up. Of course you're going to become lazy. And if and, and you're not just going to do that because you don't, um, you know, human beings are innately lazy. I mean, to, a, to, a, to at a biological level, we are, right? I mean, the goal of our biology is for us to ex- expend as, little cal- a few, as fewer calories as possible and to conserve as many as possible. Um, but it's not so much that. It's that if, you know, there are always those people who are, hanging on by a thread who are just going to kind of give up um, uh, if, if you know they're hanging by a thread they're not very good teachers nobody really likes them and uh, and then they sort of uh, once they get the right to never be fired they completely give up because they were never any good to begin with and there's enough of those to begin to change the culture and then anybody who tries to excel is viewed resentfully by the sort of the troglodytes who remain sort of squatting and smoking and smirking and snarling in the teacher's lounge so uh, it's it just, just a change of culture. It's not that it turns everyone into a lazy underachiever, uh, although it does seem to have happened within the span of a single year. But you just kind of give up, right? Once you can't be fired, uh, you, your job becomes more of a kind of thing to get through, to get through to other things. And, you know, it's not something you... I mean, you don't hate it usually. You don't, you know, but it, it does, it's not part of your creative fire, right? It doesn't rouse excellence in you, and we know that, just because of the free market, right, where you don't have incentive and disincentive, uh, you don't have uh, excellence. Uh, so I don't think that's anything too controversial. So, you know, the, the, and of course, as the SAT scores and as the general scores have declined precipitously, I have these statistics, but of course I'm driving, so maybe I'll uh, read them uh, just uh, on my way home. Uh, sorry, just before I leave on my way home. 
uh, where I also have to uh, produce a correction for the Super, Tran- Super Tramp misreference of yesterday. But um, uh, <coughs> so I don't think it's 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 really possible for people to understand just how bad public school systems have become and how ridiculously profitable those same systems have become to unions and to bureaucrats. Um, so, uh, you know, the idea that this entity is going to sort of surrender and roll over to something like school vouchers is a complete fantasy. The only way that the, um, the public sector is going to accept and politicians are going to accept school vouchers is because uh, they, they through school vouchers they can control or eliminate uh, private schools, right? That's I mean they don't like private schools. Uh, well, they they do and they don't like private schools. Uh, in the same way that you know the people who drive the public roads here do and don't like the um, the 407, right? The the um, the tall highway that I use. They don't like it because they think that they feel resentful because they feel other people, if they have enough money, uh, like me, can drive this tall highway and they don't get any benefit, and boy, they wish they could be on my tall highway so that they could drive so much faster. So they have this sort of immature, sort of intellectually stunted approach uh, full of resentment and, and, uh, and desire towards um, the private sector or, you know, towards this road. You know, the people who don't understand on the public roads the relationship between the public and private roads would feel a lot less resentful if they sort of thought for about it for two seconds and thought, well... Everyone who's driving on the private roads is not driving on the public roads, and therefore I am getting a tertiary benefit, a significant tertiary benefit. Um, I mean, the public roads are pretty slow. Uh, the private road, one private road, does like the job of three public roads in terms of transporting people, because they don't do any um, construction during um, <coughs> during rush hour or during the day. I think I've never seen it. And uh, so, if those people weren't on the public road, weren't on the private roads, they would be on the public roads, and everybody would grind to a complete halt. So it's sort of important uh, to, to, for people to understand that. In the same way, unions dislike private schools because they make uh, public schools look bad. But, you know, fundamentally, who cares about that? You just get some precedent up there talking about the fundamental value of education in a democracy. And, you know, we all give up, sigh, roll over, and play dead because, you know, we, don't, uh, we haven't yet found the courage as a, as a community to expose lies in the you know for what they are, so we still believe there's some sort of faint echo of virtue in wanting public education, and therefore the price of that is that you know children's minds are mutilated. Right, the price of illusion is always destruction, and the price of our illusion as adults in relation to the public sector education is the result that our children's minds get uh, completely shredded and destroyed. So uh, it's a very sad, sad situation, and something that we should really. Um, take a look in the mirror at if we want to sort of figure out how best to uh, save our children or save the children of our children, then, you know, we really need to become more courageous in our uh, exposure of of lies, falsehoods, and this sort of pious cover for violence that the state always represents. So uh, they dislike the public schools, uh, the private schools, because they make the union schools look bad, but at the same time, they love the private schools because the private schools... Uh, take students out of the uh, public school mix without affecting uh, the income. I mean, let's say that you're running a tech support line and you get paid, I don't know, $100,000 a year regardless of how many tech support calls you actually have to take or how many clients your company has. 
Well, I mean, wouldn't you kind of... Oh, and your bonus would be uh, would increase the fewer clients that there were within the, uh, within the uh, tech support. Well, of course, you would, uh, you, you would probably be nice, but you wouldn't have a strong incentive to retain these clients. You'd, you wouldn't sort of outright say, you know, quit so I can get a raise. Uh, you would say, uh, oh, I'll get back to you, and you'd forget about it, or you'd drag your feet, or you'd send them the wrong information, or you'd, you'd do that sort of passive-aggressive thing until your clients just kind of gave up and went elsewhere, uh, you know, which is, of course, exactly what happens in the public school uh, system. So uh, in, the, uh, in the public school system, they, they love private schools because they get to dump students onto the private school system, and students that, they're, frankly, their own teachers are just far too stupid and incompetent to teach. Um, so, but but they, their funding remains the same, right? So they're overjoyed that they can offload their work to someone else and still retain all the income. So, I mean, the, the, but overall, uh, the public sector only likes private, the private sector schools because, because of that, right? So if you take that away, uh, it will be an outright war. Um, you know, the simple economic facts of the situation is that the hundreds of billions of dollars a year that unions take in, and public sector unions in particular, because I think private sector unions are like 6% of the workforce, the hundreds of billions of dollars a year, I think it's $175 billion a year that the unions take in enforced union dues, you know, they can turn any sort of significant portion of that over to political parties. And, you know, you, you really can't withstand that kind of tsunami bribe uh, or the landslide bribe of that kind of money. And no group of parents and no private schools will ever be able to match those kinds of funds. And since we have a dollar democracy, there's just no zero, zero. I can just tell you, absolutely, get it out of your head. It is a zero possibility. It is a zero chance possibility that the politicians will not respond to the um, the cash-flooded unions uh, as opposed to the um, somewhat tentative, already taken care of, and cash-poor uh, parents' associations and uh, the um, the uh, private schools who whatever, right? So it's, it's a non-starter. It's never going to happen. It's never, ever, 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 ever going to happen while there is the current system in place. Uh, and if you want to work for it, by all means. But uh, I'm telling you, it's worse than a waste of your time. You're actually aiding the enemy. And why are you aiding the enemy? Well, uh, I'll sort of talk about the morals, and then I'll talk about the practical implementation of a, of a voucher system and why it would fail um, in, in ways that would be worse than the system that we have now. <coughs> well, of course, the reason that, that it would be completely immoral to advocate a voucher system is that you're leaving the existence of state violence in place. But you're adding an, a, another layer to it, another layer of bureaucracy. So you're saying, okay, well, taxation is fine, and public school education is fine, and you know, holding guns to people's necks to get them to cough over their money and their children is okay, but you know, we're going to uh, introduce a small amount of choice at the end. Right? So uh, you know, it's sort of like saying, well, well, it's not sort of like, it's exactly like saying, well, slavery is fine, but you can uh, choose between these three slave masters. So you're a slave, and you're on the auction block, and, but it's not going to be, you know, we're going to introduce some choice right at the very end, and we're going to say, you can choose these, uh, from these three slave masters, uh, you can choose. So there may be some competition among those three slave masters for slightly better conditions, but, you know, the fundamental evil of slavery is still in place. And by searching for a sort of less offensive alternative at the tail end of slavery, uh, you are, you know, tacitly supporting and encouraging slavery. 
and by tacit, so sort of by searching for a less offensive and tiny level of choice at the end of the brutality of state taxation and coercion and regulation, you are tacitly uh, agreeing that all of that stuff is fine. We'd just like to tweak it a little. You know, there's a reason why I'm an anarcho-capitalist. There's a reason why I don't. You know, I view the state as a moral cancer on the face of the world. And it's not because I'm contrary, and it's not because I love arguing things that nobody, uh, you know, who's supposedly in their right mind would ever agree with. It's simply because I'm not going to waste my time dealing with the little stuff. I'm not going to waste my life and my intellectual energy spouting out about stuff that's not going to make any difference. So, you know, this idea that, and then Harry Brown, all due respect to the, uh, you know, the grand old gentleman of libertarian thought... Uh, the man was uh, uh, is is brilliant and a, a great communicator, and you know was the one who most helped me uh, um, get over my addiction to war. But <coughs> the idea that the United States is ever going to return to uh, any anything close to its constant original constitutional size or limits uh, is a uh, complete fantasy, and I can understand why he would believe that <coughs> because it gives him a lot of agreement. Uh, and it also, um, uh, he gets to use the word constitution and he doesn't have to worry about explaining away society without a government. And I, you know, fully understand and magnificently respect the work that he's done with his life and assume that he is no more full of error than I am and that there will be people who come after me who say, yeah, that guy did some pretty good podcasts, but man, was he wrong on this, that, or the other. Uh, So this isn't from any sense of, of innate superiority, but you know, uh, to use Harry's phrase, the fact of the matter is that there's simply no chance of that occurring. As long as there is the capacity to bribe and to bully, uh, uh, then it will occur. And you're not going to solve it by saying there should be less bribery and bullying. And, I mean, Harry does have an answer which says, you know, he doesn't have any beef with those who say get rid of government entirely. Once we have got government shrunk down to whatever size, um, constitutional limits, we can all have a big party and discuss about whether we should get rid of it completely. (coughs) But, um, that's never going to happen. The only thing that's going to, to help, in my view, is the government is going to collapse and these ideas better be out there. And you better have talked to people about these ideas so when the government collapses, we can look at a much more viable alternative, which is let's get rid of the government piece by piece or as quickly as possible and not sort of say let's just reduce it and so on. Because all that will happen is we will um, diminish it for a short time, but within a generation it will be right back where it started. But with less, But freedom will have less credibility each time. So, um, you know, the, the, uh, the government uh, schools are simply so wretched, and the unions are so rich, and the power imbalance is so great, that there's just no way that uh, any sort of effective voucher system which would allow choice would ever be allowed to, uh, to uh, occur. And if you're out there advocating school vouchers, you're taking, uh, frankly, a chicken, um, a chicken crap route to solving the problems of, of coercion. You do not modify coercion at the end. You do not tweak violence and hope to turn it to some slightly better end at the end of its bloody course. You don't take a reign of terror and try and tweak it. It's like putting knee pads in front of the guillotine during the reign of terror. You do not sanction violence or irrationality or coercion in any way, shape, or form. If you want to, go ahead. I'm not going to stop you by any means, but I am absolutely going to condemn you as a morally corrupt, hypocritical, evil person. Because if you've listened this far in the podcasts, 
and you haven't written to me to prove that I'm wrong, then I would guess to some degree you've accepted a good chunk of what I'm saying. And I think that's only reasonable because I'm trying to be as rational as possible. I'm certainly not trying to get you to obey me because I don't really matter at all of the equation. I'm trying to get you to respect rationality and reality. And it's really not that complicated. Violence is bad. Violence is evil. And anything that you do which tacitly, implicitly, or explicitly supports the use of violence when you know better is evil. So if you're some, I don't know, Sunday, uh, sorry, sorry, some kindergarten teacher two years from retirement who has never heard anything like, oh, gee, you know, state education is evil and corrupt because it's based on coercion and regulation, then I can understand that you would have this view that, oh, well, maybe vouchers would be nice for my grandkids or whatever. But you now know, you know, having listened to I don't know, the three million hours of podcasting that I've put out in the last couple of months. But given that you've heard this far, you're now completely responsible for knowing what is coercion and what is not. And if you're interested in approving of vouchers, then you better stop listening to this stuff right now because you are absolutely breaking from uh, any kind of logical or moral consistency and, you know, slithering like a ferret into the camp of the enemy when you know better. And, you know, you don't, don't look to me for punishment. I mean, I, I'm, I don't even know who you are but your conscience is going to get you something fierce once you have opened your eyes to then voluntarily blind them again and to um, to return to the uh, even the soft advocation of violence is going to just turn you into a miserable and neurotic wreck of a human being uh, there is no there is no path back from where we are you can either go on uh, or you can uh, be corrupt but you cannot turn back uh, so that's my sort of, I guess, mild um, uh, admonition to you uh, if you're tempted to sort of try an easier route, uh, what seems like an easier route, and say, let's get into vouchers or, you know, we should modify welfare so that this and that. You have to, uh, you have to um, oppose evil at its root. Opposing the effects of evil is supporting the, the root of evil. And so uh, don't, uh, don't do it. Uh, for your own sake, I mean, don't care about me, what the hell do my opinions matter, but don't do it for your own sake, because you will end up very unhappy. Uh, if you're going to take up this sword, uh, you can never put it back down again, and you better learn how to use it well. And there's no point throwing yourself on it by supporting school vouchers. So that's my sort of moral uh, lecture of the morning. So let's uh, take a slightly different view of vouchers, and let's say that by some bizarre miracle, they were enforced or, or enacted as, as possibilities. How would that look? What would happen? I can tell you exactly what would happen. Um, but first, I'm going to take a page from Steve Martin, who uh, is a comedian I enjoyed quite a bit when I was younger. So if you're younger, you'll probably uh, enjoy looking up some of his older MP3s. But he had this great thing. He said, um, you know, the, the great thing about getting older is you get to be prejudiced. The great thing about getting older is that you no longer have to uh, worry about going down every possible or exploring every possible option. So, you know, you think of life as a series of... Uh, it's a long corridor with a series of doors on either side. And as you get older, you just get to slam doors because you've been there before and you've done it and you know what it's all about and so you don't have to worry about re-exploring it. So, you know, the great thing about getting older is someone comes along and says, uh, Hey, let's go camping! And you're like, I'm sorry, we're closed. <laughs> and I think that's just a wonderful uh, way of, of expressing some of the wisdom that comes with age. And what it means in the libertarian context, of course, is that, uh, well, uh, you know what's going to happen with school vouchers once you've seen a couple dozen of state programs and, and what happens 
uh, in them, it's you know it's complete. It's as predictable as sunrise to to know exactly what's going to happen, even if the uh, the the laws of economics completely reversed themselves for a, a year or two, and human nature completely uh, reversed itself for a year or two, and the political process completely inverted its values or lack of values to values, and a voucher system was implemented. I can tell you exactly what would happen. It's no uh, it's no no it's no brain surgery to to plot the path of this uh, misadventure. Well, so we've got voucher systems, so everybody gets something in the mail, which is like, I don't know, three grand or 2500 bucks or whatever, which they can apply to the school of their choice. And we think that a wonderful free market is now going to be created in the realm of the voucher system. Well, what is the union going to do? Well, the union is immediately going to start saying, look, it's not a school unless the teachers are unionized and we are the union head. So the first thing they're going to do is they're going to pour all of their efforts into unionizing the uh, private schools. Oh, how could they unionize the private schools? Well, I'll tell you, when you've got $175 billion a year and you've got the mafia, you can kind of get sh- stuff done, I guess you could say. You can get stuff done. So don't worry about that. They'll have absolutely no problem unionizing the private schools in about six months uh, maximum. Probably would be closer to three because they will simply bribe uh, anybody who's open to bribery or open to economic advantage, and it will be like, I will give you $5 million if your school is unionized. And if they can't do that openly, they'll do it secretively, and if they can't do that at all or somebody stands on principle, right, then all that will happen is that, uh, you know, the school will get burnt down, uh, or, this, you know, the teachers will be terrorized, or, you know, uh, the, the students will be terrorized, or the parents of the students who go there will be terrorized, and you know, there will be snipers, and there will be, uh, uh, you know, guys out with baseball bats. And, I mean, I mean, as you may or may not know, um, the, uh, United, in the United States, uh, unions, uh, you, you, you cannot prosecute a union for violent acts. I mean, I'm not sure if you're awake. It's the Bacon Harvest Act or something like that. Uh, but if you are a union and you beat people up or you shoot at people uh, or you shoot people, you really can't be prosecuted. Uh, for uh, for supporting this action, as long as it's in quote the legitimate pursuit of union business, uh, so you know the, the unions exist as a state of nature. I mean, this is one of the reasons why they're so powerful, right? It's not only the money, and not only the mafia connections, but also because they are you know they they're simply above the law. I mean, that's right there in the books. If you want to look it up, feel free. So the unions will absolutely uh, unionize all of the. Um, all of the private sector unions, all of the private sector schools, and you so all of the sort of mindless zombies union school teachers will simply pour in and displace all of the private school teachers, and basically the private schools will end up being a bunch more public schools in, in, in essence, and the unions will get even more powerful. <coughs> so that's sort of one thing that will happen, and, you know, don't don't worry about that. That's, that's a completely predictable event. So what else will happen? Well, um... What will, what will also happen is that there'll be a bunch of scam artists, right? Um, we'll just call them scam artists, although they wouldn't always be the case. But let's just say uh, the, everybody gets these vouchers. And so I rent a Legion Hall during the day, and I say, I'm running a school, bring your vouchers to me. And then I, you know, get a bunch of plastic seats and a teacher with a whiteboard, and I call it a school. And, you know, maybe they get taught stuff, maybe they don't, but it doesn't really matter because I'm cashing in, I'm making, you know... Uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars, or at least tens of thousands of dollars a year for coming up with this pseudo-school. And so the media will dutifully go in and photograph all of these poor children with, 
only chalk blackboards and no pencils and you know all this sort of stuff and the children will look sad and uneducated and they'll say oh you see this is what happens when the free market takes over education and oh it's so terrible and we have to have regulations in place because you know so sort of scam private schools are 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 sort of springing up all over the country and and blah 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 right and it will you know when examined it will be a kickback scheme where you give your $3000 voucher to the school and that school will then return 1500 bucks to you as the parent and then it will just you know or $2000 the other guy will take 500 and they'll use 500 per student to rent the union hall and throw some library books in there so you know because and this is not a function of the free market although there are of course scams in the free market but uh, it's a distortion of, of school vouchers, right? That everyone gets this money to spend, and you know, not everyone spends money wisely, as the history of most lottery winners will show. So that's going to be the inevitable uh, next step, which will be a hue and cry, and many letters to the editor of shocked and appalled citizens, who are actually uh, union uh, people in in drag, and uh, bureaucrats and so on, regulators, and so it will become very clear that. You know, well, it's great that there are school vouchers and we're a big fan of private schools, but hey, there have to be some standards. Like, and as soon as you, you, you hear someone say, there have to be some standards, I guarantee you, you know, one hand is closing around your wallet and another hand is closing around your neck. Because, you know, whenever people say, there have to be standards, you know, what they're saying is, you have to obey and pay me money or I'm going to shoot you in the neck. And so you will start to get the promulgation of standards of education. So a teacher has to be unionized, and you have to teach this curriculum, and you have to have this stuff on hand, and you have to do it this way, and you have to have this many square foot per student, and this you have to have this kind of student-teacher ratio, and you have to have this kind of test, and all the tests, blah, 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 right? <clears throat> so basically all that will happen is private schools now, which have a certain amount of independence based on the fact that they're not uh, uh, owned by unions or the uh, state. Actually, I don't know if private schools are, are owned by unions. Uh, you, you have to let me know if you know the facts about that. But um, for sure, uh, the next thing that's going to happen is is all of these sad-eyed children stuck in the Legion Hall with a couple of overmarked library books and no, and only one washroom facility, you know, whatever it is, right? The smell of stale Legionnaire smoke <laughs> hanging in the air. and Anyway... So uh, that's, uh, that, that's the next thing that would happen is the curriculum from the public schools would come in to the private schools. <clears throat> and then what would happen is something like, and so, you know, the same brain-dead curriculum and brain-dead teachers would simply flow like an infection, um, like a virus from the public system to the private system, right? And there's no, no, uh, no, uh, no uh, extreme brain prizes for predicting this, this uh, sequence of events. And so the next thing that would happen is that there would begin to be complaints that uh, from the public sector or the you know people supposedly in the private sector, but actually just fronts for public sector interests, and they would say, "Well, heavens to Betsy, you know we really can't compare public schools with private schools because you know they're still teaching different stuff and they're still taking different tests, 
And so basically, they you know because you would have to meet these minimum standards in order to um, legitimately be allowed to use your vouchers, right? Because they're not yours. Remember that. They're not yours. They're given to you by the state. They're like a tax credit. It's not yours. It's just something that's given to you, like an allowance. You have no right to it because it's not your property. It's just something that the state can choose to mail you or choose not to mail you. And if they don't mail you, you're hosed because you're still paying the taxes even if they don't give you the credits. So all that's going to happen next is... The people are going to say, well, I think my uh, my school is great. And other people are going to say, well, I think that the school, my private school my kids are going to is not giving them a quality education. How am I supposed to know, oh, dear government representative who was so helpful in education for the past 140 years? Well, all that's going to happen then is that they're going to have to say, well, we're going to have to have standardized tests, you know. So we're going to have to have standardized tests so that we can tell whether the private schools are good enough and so on, right? And it's never going to be the other way, right? It's never going to be that the... Um, the uh, private sector of schools are going to be doing such a great job that everyone's going to say, well, you know, we have to have uh, tests uh, from the private, like built by the private sector and put into the public sector so that we can figure out whether the public sector schools are good enough. No, 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 it'll always be the other way because that's how the power flows. <clears throat> so, of course, once you have standardized testing across the, across the public and private sector, then you really don't have any difference at all between the schools. So you have now, uh, you know, this will be within a year or two, <coughs> you, and they'll have to do it quick, and they know they'll have to do it quick, because otherwise the students are going to wake up and their brains are going to start firing again, and uh, that's going to be a pretty bad thing for the public sector union. So they're going to move quickly and expend all of their resources of finances and violence to achieve this end. So then sort of the unholy trinity of uh, public sector education has now been transferred to private sector education. So... You know, you have uh, no possibility of a private sector school without public sector union employees and grievance processes and bureaucracies and overhead and contracts and blah, blah, blah. So, of course, you're going to have the, the private sector is not going to be able to offer any significant benefits like, hey, you don't have to worry about putting your kids uh, someplace useful for two, two months uh, a year in the summer. You're actually going to and maybe we'll do school from nine to five so that you don't have this ridiculous situation where everybody who works works 9 to 5 and all the students are in from 9 to 3 or 9 to 3.15, which obviously is completely counterproductive and can only exist in, in the public sector because it's so ridiculously in, inconvenient to, uh, to everybody. And again, I'm talking mostly about the poor here, right? I mean, the poor who have to work two jobs or who have single moms, right? They should have... Uh, it should be a school-slash-daycare, right, where you do your school and then if you have homework, you should do your homework. And, of course, homework... Ugh, anyway, we'll come back, come back to that. There's one last one that I want to do uh, this afternoon about education, which is, you know, how do we even know that a school is the most beneficial way to teach people? We have no idea because it's in the public sector. So you have the sort of union zombies in control of your children in the uh, private sector. Uh, you have the same curriculum, which is promulgated from the public sector to the private sector. And last but not least, you have the same tests promulgated from the public sector to the private sector. So now there's going to be absolutely no difference, really, between public sector schools and private sector schools. All that's happened is that you've actually increased union power, which is, you know, sort of what you were trying not to do. You've increased union power, and you've reduced the choice that parents have. See, before, let's say they were willing to bite the bullet and actually... Um, send their kids to private school and, you know, double pay into the tax system, but at least they had a choice, assuming that they had some minimal level of income. They could at least choose a private sector school that was different from a public sector school. But as soon as you have union vouchers, <coughs> within a year or two, you will have eliminated that choice. 
Um, I mean, at the moment, there is a free market, so to speak, in education. And the free market is simply this. If you choose to pay twice, you have an option. Um, but if you, uh, if you get rid of, uh, sorry, if you introduce um, something like uh, uh, vouchers, then all you're doing is, you know, completely totalitarianizing the educational system to now, to the point where there's simply no choice uh, at all. So even if you have lots of money, you simply can't choose. I mean, I guess there would still be school systems that would be outside the voucher system, but there would be far fewer than those who, I mean, of course, they're all schools. Like, there are doctors who simply refuse to get involved in regular, in, like in Medicare and Medicaid, and you just pay cash and they save all the overhead. And the same way, there would still be schools who would not be interested in the voucher system and so on, but they would be very, very much in the minority and would be so prohibitively expensive that, you know, it would be no choice for, you know, just about everybody. So, I mean, that's sort of my take on, on vouchers. Um, they, uh, they're completely immoral. It's a completely immoral proposition to attempt to tart up or dress up brute coercive power with, you know, this pitiful, ridiculous little choice at the end. It's also, you know, bad. It's, it's entirely serving uh, the, those who advocate violence to try and modify or provide a, a sort of optional or, or illusory choice when there is none. Uh, and also, you know, practically, uh, it's going to achieve the exact opposite of what is intended. Um, it is not going to raise the quality of the public schools. That's impossible, because it's based on coercion and violence and unions. It is only going to destroy the quality of the private schools. I mean, i got to tell you, I mean, I don't know if this is going to ring true or if it's going to sit with you, but I tell you, it's a fundamental truth. The use of violence will always achieve the exact opposite of what you claim you intend. Always, 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 always. There are a million reasons for that which we can go into in another, another podcast. Violence will always achieve the opposite of what you intend. I mean, things like the war on terror is complete opposite, you know, completely obvious, right? Um, we, uh, uh, we want to protect ourselves, therefore we're going to invade a bunch of Muslim countries where people are prone to violent fanaticism, and we're going to get rid of all of our rights in order to protect our freedoms. I mean, it's, it's a sick joke. It always achieves the opposite of what you intend. The war on drugs has made the world much more dangerous than it was, uh, and it has not helped anybody who's addicted to drugs. In fact, it's, it's harmed them, uh, and it's given a huge boost to organized crime. And it's made many more people addicted to drugs than beforehand, right? Welfare has not ended poverty, but has, in fact, uh, increased it. Um, so the use of violence will always achieve the exact opposite of what you intend. Once you really grasp at, at a very deep level that principle, then you're well on your way to becoming a wise human being. Um, so if you think that um, vouchers, which is sanctioning and extending the use of violence, is going to achieve a greater quality of education or any better, any improvement to exist, the existing quality of education, even if you think it's going to arrest the continual decline in the quality of education or even slow it down, you're wrong. You're, you're, you're just wrong, fundamentally wasting your time, aiding the enemy, and you might as well just not even get up today if you're going to get out and think that or, or speak it out loud. Because if you don't really understand that violence achieves the exact opposite of what you intend, uh, then you will always be prone to thinking that maybe the next scheme that is based on violence is going to achieve some sort of better end than every single scheme based on violence that ever existed in the past. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's like, you, you know, you, you, you're playing a, a game where everyone takes a gun that is loaded in all chambers, puts it up to their head and pulls the trigger. And this has happened to, to a million people before you, and you get up and you say, well, maybe this one's going to be okay. Maybe this one isn't going to hurt me. Maybe this one is going to be good for me. 
And, you know, if you don't sort of have the rigor and, and willpower and, you know, moral and emotional courage to simply say and understand that violence um, simply produces the opposite of what is claimed, uh, then, you know, you're sort of missing something fundamental in your understanding of the world. Uh, or maybe you're just a violent person yourself and you found some way to make violence work. In which case, you know, please let me know. I'm certainly willing to, to um, examine new evidence. But, you know, voucher systems, libertarians should just shut up about them and oppose them violently because, uh, or energetically, I guess I should say, um, because they are a sanction of the use of violence and they will absolutely destroy even the remaining vestiges of a semi vaguely, ridiculously half-decent education that remain, which is the the private school system where, you know, dumb and uninformed parents at least have some say over dumb, dumb and uninformed teachers who are not crippled by state curriculum. So, uh, you know, the last sort of vague embers of, of educational quality will be completely snuffed out through a school voucher program, and if you are advocating it and get your way, then you are sort of morally responsible for the great sin of, of slaughtering the last minds of the young. So, Again, uh, not for my sake or anything like that, but for your own, the sake of your own conscience, just recognize that violence is a fundamental evil, uh, that it will never achieve what you claim it is going to achieve or what people claim it's going to achieve, that it will always achieve the exact opposite, and it should never be sanctioned in any way, shape, or form. So please let me know if this uh, podcast sounds any better than the last ones. I've tried taking the volume down so that hopefully there'll be less um, a sort of uh, excess of, uh, of static and, and uh, noise. So uh, I hope that uh, this uh, sounds better, and I hope that you're doing well. All the best, Steph.